Today's episode marks the 10th episode of the Story Truck, and we couldn't have gone that far without your support. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Amita Deshpande, a social entrepreneur and the founder of Recharka EcoSocial, an organization that upcycles plastic waste into fabric while employing rural artisans and providing them with livelihood. Her story is inspiring and her journey is mind-blowing. Please stay tuned as we dwell into Amita's story. My first question is uh, regarding your childhood because uh, since I was a kid, I had this uh, stubborn attitude towards plastic waste on the road. And I knew that in the future, if not if my career is not exactly related to that, I want to do something to contribute to society. So was there any influence like that while you were growing up? Definitely. And, you know, I was very much like that as well when I was uh, a child. And when we, so I, I grew up in Silvasa. That's a little town in Dadra Nagarhaveli, the Union. And because it's a small place, we didn't have so much of population. And obviously, as a result, the waste wasn't seen as much <clears throat> as you would do in a city. So whenever I used to travel to, say, Mumbai or Pune, I used to come across waste. And even, you know, while traveling in trains or in uh, on the streets, I always used to find waste. And I used to keep wondering, you know, why can't it just be clean? Because I, I had traveled abroad also. And, you know, you saw see the stark difference and why is it so slowly slowly it started under i started understanding especially when uh, we were we were in school and i think in the eighth grade or something there were uh, there was a topic there was a subject about waste and then there was biodegradable waste and non-biodegradable waste and non-biodegradable waste is plastic glass and thermocol and all that and then i used to wonder if this waste is not degradable why are we using these things and why are we creating that waste and this question came to me not everybody um, around me or in my classroom actually thought about it and uh, in that same grade itself there was a science seminar as a result of that uh, people started understanding that this girl always talks about waste <laughs> and she loves waste and you know it started it was a small place like a small society so whichever shop i used to go to i used to say bhaiya noi plastic bag mat do and that was the time when people had started taking to plastic you know when i was really a kid maybe old i always remember we used to carry a cloth bag with us but later on polythene bag had started becoming like a fashion and everybody who went to the groceries for a polythene bag is always kept on as a parallel thing a parallel passion where i kept telling people don't use plastic don't use thermocol don't use disposables i personally stopped as much as possible so i was always you know even today a lot of my school friends remember uh, that what how i used to be and now that i'm doing this work uh, people can relate to it very easily so you had a career in it if i'm not mistaken and then you switched completely so was there some wakening call that you had or why why that sudden change i always wanted to spend as much time as possible in the environment even as a kid in silvasa we used to go into the neighborhood nature in the uh, you know forests around and we had a 
very close uh, family friend of ours who was a forest officer. So he used to take us into the forest and, you know, we used to have little picnics there. That's what all my friends went in. I also went and started doing uh, my BE. And uh, after that, I got a job. While I was in, I was working in the company, I was in KPIT Cummins in Pune. That's when uh, I got introduced to a concept called CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. That team was a team of bunch of volunteers who had their own day jobs to do. But apart from that, they uh, also conducted all these activities, which were CSR activities. So as a part of that, I got a good free hand to implement all my, you know, activities that I had in my head. So, you know, we banned plastic, we banned plastic cups and mugs, and then we conducted some cleaning drives in the company itself. Uh, at that time, I also started doing a lot of treks in the Sayadris, Pune and Mumbai, you know, all around our mountains. So the, during the treks also, I started realizing that there's so much of waste in the mountains. So in the city, there's somebody to clean it. But in the mountains, there's nobody going to go and clean it. So I always used to carry a bag with me to put waste in it. But then I again started realizing that I'm the only one who's doing it. Even my friends who were with me always, some of them obviously supported, but some of them just laughed. You know, that's how I started understanding this is what I really want to do. This is what I want to do majority of my life and not sit in front of a laptop and do code. I decided to do my master's in business uh, from the Cranard School of Management, Purdue University. Um, but I took up some subjects because the university didn't offer specific courses in this field. I took up some courses as my major <clears throat> for the final semester. And that was in CSR and sustainability. Okay. So that's where my actual shift happened. So you shifted and then uh, you formed Arohana, right? So could you brief our viewers a bit about that? Yeah, so the story of starting of Arohana is also really a very interesting one. So when I moved back to India from the US, I always had that in my mind that I want to work in the field of sustainability, but for the also for the social aspect. So I wanted to combine the environment and the social aspect. And most of the CSR folks are out the society. Some are for the environment, majority are for society. So I wanted to combine that. And I was a CSR consultant at that point in time. So um, I was exploring, you know, and I was reading a lot. So yesterday also we had a very interesting session with Rashmi, Mahar, Rashmi uh, Bansal, who's my uh, one of one of uh, very good authors. So I had read her book about social entrepreneurship and you know things like that, and kept I kept exploring what I wanted to do, and uh, I had decided to take a break from my job. Uh, I was working in a company in Bombay that time. I decided to take up a break and travel into the mountains, into the Himalayas. And while I was in the mountains, um, that was the duration when the Kedarnath disaster happened. And I was on the other side of the mountains of Kedarnath where a lot of landslides happened. So not a lot of lives were lost, but a lot of uh, property loss had happened. So me and a friend of mine who was with me at that time, you know, we thought to ourselves because we were stuck. We had nothing to do for four or five days, no electricity, no water. Food was also very limited with us. We were in a town, but all these problems were there. So we kept thinking as to, you know, how can we really get into this and do this full time? And that's when we decided that, you know, that's that's it. 
let's quit our jobs uh, he was an intern in my company a french guy actually simo and we both decided that you know we'll quit our jobs and we'll volunteer for some time so we really did that and we quit our job <laughs> we decided to volunteer for an ngo in uttarakhand in that environment to understand what it really is you know what this ngo world is and what the social sector is and that while i was in uttarakhand i founded arohana so that was you know the turning point the the, the happened in uttarakhand and himachal that was the turning point when i actually jumped into it full time so uh, after arohana came recharka right and uh, what was that organization story i'm interested <laughs> <laughs> sure so arona we had to shut it down very recently uh, during the lockdown or just after the lockdown there were a lot of changes in the team um, that had happened and uh, as a result uh, and of course the lockdown and the pandemic situation worsened it and we had to shut down the company in august this year and then um, to take care of the rest of the team because our we had uh, 15 tribals working with us and a few of the tailors here and the artisans so we had a team of good 25 people so to take care of them i decided i'll continue um, you know continue with and just change the name so the work remains the same the name changes people are the same okay and could you lay emphasis on the name yes totally Yes, yes, yes. So see, I so when we started Arohana, we didn't have it in our minds at that time that we want to do this or we are going to work in the upcycling and handcrafting space. Arohana was more of a consultancy, um, but the name Arohana was not known to many people. People didn't understand the meaning, and it didn't immediately relate to the product. So I wanted to have a name which actually, you know, the product talks about it. So. Uh, one of our primary uh, equipment that we use is charkha in the upcycling process and um, charkha symbolizes a lot of things charkha stands for swadeshi movement and you know during this lockdown period again we had all started thinking about vocal for local swadeshi was really standing out and you know charkha at that point in time during the freedom struggle or the post pre uh, freedom uh, movement it played a very important role it was trying to solve a problem at that time today we are using the charkha to solve the current world's problem and the current world's problem for us right now is plastic waste so that's why we decided recharkha so it's a revival of the charkha to solve current world's problems hence it's recharkha some people call it rechakra by mistake because of actually um, sort of the symbol for craft symbol for handicraft so we decided to keep it recharkha so it's re- recycling also you know right so how did you come across these uh, tribal artisans and employ them and what was your approach towards them uh see they were not artisans when we met them <clears throat> so i wanted to start this program in such a place where there was no other source of livelihood there was farming and unfortunately in tribal areas they have very little farmland for themselves as you see in other places in maharashtra and you know plains and all you have people have acres and acres of land but tribals have very little land and they can grow only food for themselves they typically don't grow food to sell so they that's called subsistence farming 
being brought up in silvasa i was very closely associated with the tribals there um so we had a little place close to silvasa which my family owns and um, you know the people around there when they got to know that this is what we do one of the young boys uh, father actually approached us that kiran wants to work with you and that's when we decided to set up our unit near his house in the tribal village and that's how it all started so these people didn't actually they are not artisans they were not artisans now they are so we taught them the craft it was very interesting so process process yeah yeah so one kiran joined and vandana joined and you know so and so help people um, there are more people who want to work with us we just don't have the work right now to hire so many people but eventually i think we want to grow more in that same village first and then move out to another place and, um we also started an ngo very recently it's called my eco social planet yeah so there we are doing a lot of these awareness activities we want to do more and we want more people to join us in that so since you have spoken about uh, your ngo if anyone's listening to this podcast right now and they want to join it could you just brief yeah. them a little bit about the procedure and what exactly it is about and how we can help sure that's excellent you know we've been um, a lot of people are asking us how can we join you we don't have a formal procedure as such right now but i always say if there is anybody who wants to join our work um, and become our eco social buddy uh, just raise your hand and start working in the community where you are so for example there is one uh, person called smita who runs an organization called five hour cycle who's in mumbai based who's a mumbai based person so she herself has started collecting waste for us through her own sources so once that happens that waste will automatically come for upcycling and instead of going into say the landfill or the oceans or possibly into recycling thing is better than recycling so that so can be done awareness generation can be done uh, so in our society or something organize a campaign collect the plastic and then transport it over correct. to your center correct. correct and see before even doing that uh, there's an important aspect that the volunteer should remember is that we are not um, promoting the use of plastic and we are not promoting the upcycling or recycling of plastic what we are doing is we want people to first understand that they must refuse reduce reuse whatever plastic is available only then send it for recycling otherwise it will totally you know be in the opposite so that's why we want to train these people who want to volunteer for us and then they can take up this cause and as a result the products that are made by the upcycling they can always talk about our products and help us promote them because only we are working only through the sales of our products so our tribes and our artisans will get paid only by the sale of products so that's why we want to always emphasize that if wherever possible anyways if you're going to go and buy a bag from the market you're going to go buy a laptop bag so then choose this as an alternative you know that's that's the story so why upcycling and not recycling a few of our viewers had this question mm. upcycling the whole idea of upcycling is making something better than what it was before so we upcycle this okay so this was 
something which you were going to use only for one or two, three, four times maybe, and a few minutes overall. But when it gets converted into a bag like this, you're going to use this for several years. So that's what upcycling is, and you're increasing its value also by upcycling. So fifty wrappers make one bag. So it's actually also you know enhancing its value. Hence upcycling, and the process of upcycling that we employ is also very eco-friendly. Um, it's own, it's manual. We don't need any electricity or chemicals or heat. Whereas recycling in itself is melting of plastic, then drawing threads from it, and then making something from it. So it's an energy-intensive process. Also, it could release carcinogens in the environment. It's not bad. Definitely better than throwing the plastic away. Right. Upcycling so is, is more environment-friendly than recycling. Not always. The way we do it, it's environmentally friendly. Upcycling might not necessarily be eco-friendly. People need to really What's the process that goes into making it into that beautiful purse? Sure, sure. <clears throat> so see, this is all the waste that we use. Okay, so these are your carry bags, which are ideally banned but are still in use. Very thin and you know clumsy ones. Then packets. This is a bread packet, for example, or it's a multi-layered wrapper of your biscuits, kurkure, you know, which has a silver lining from inside. So these materials specifically. Are not even recyclable because they are multi-layered. It has a different layer of plastic inside, uh, aluminium inside, and outside is plastic. So it's difficult to recycle further. This could get recycled only if it gets collected. But so I'll English. Your question is how do I upcycle this? So we collect all these kind of. So to make a bag like that, about say this bag. This is our jola tote. So to make a jola tote of this size, I need about forty plastic bags. Okay, so to I have to collect forty of these plastic bags or wrappers because that also has gift wrappers in it. We um, use just a pair of scissors and manually cut them. Okay, then manually just using scissors. We don't use shredders and all that. Um, so people are employed to do that. You know that's the whole idea. We don't want to use machines wherever it's not needed. And then. We use the charka, so that's where our charka comes into the picture. And charka is a hand uh, machine; it's a hand spinning machine. It doesn't, again, it doesn't need electricity. And a hand loom, hand loom is what actually makes the fabric. So this entire process of making fabric is totally without electricity, without any heat or chemicals. So once that happens, this fabric is created. So if you look very closely, that's how the fabric looks like. Or if you can, maybe this one is a better one to show. If you look closely, it has all kinds of wrappers. You have a Maggi wrapper, and you have a biscuit wrapper, and all kinds of wrappers. So that's what it gets converted into. This one has a tied packet. See. So after the fabric is made, then it comes to our Pune office, and in Pune we have tailors who make these beautiful products. So they are very skilled tailors. to make all these products so that's how our process typically goes
Wow, that's that's so good. So do you see people making a conscious effort while buying products or will in the case of India or will it take a lot of time for this change to take place? What is your Because see the, there has been a change definitely from when I started this journey till now I can definitely say that there are a lot of people who have changed their habits. The problem is that people in India specifically, so abroad it is very different because people always had the mindset of using a dustbin for everything. Okay. But once it goes to a dustbin, it's going to go to either a landfill or a recycler and people are not bothered about that process. Their house is clean, their neighborhood is clean, their landfills are also very clean because they're nicely covered up with, you know, nice grass and all that. So you'll never know that there's waste under like that. The thing with India and people here, we've always products since long, long, long time back. So we eat a banana, the peel, even if we throw it away, it's going to get composted. So people have got that in their mind that no matter, even if I throw a peel, the cow is going to eat it or the dog is going to eat it. But when that shift happened from banana to a wafer packet or a wafer you know because that's what is happening if you go in villages also you will unfortunately see that instead of opting for a banana of uh, you know two rupees three rupees a person will go and get five rupees ka biscuit and eat it and then the wrapper is thrown out. As a kid when whenever I used to go to my hometown or my village and I used to see these dogs and cows just eat plastic wrappers which were thrown throughout the roads and I used to feel so bad because you just, if you're eating, okay, fine. But then throw it in a dustbin. There are dustbins provided. They just throw it on the road. So that was my awakening call that I will do something, if not now, in the future. Oh, yeah. And see, unfortunately, even if there is a dustbin, <clears throat> we don't have the system from that dustbin where it's going to go. It's typically, uh, uh, the it'll go, it's, so nowadays it's going to the right places. So most of the places where segregation is happening properly, it is going to recyclers. But in villages and in small towns, it's not possible. There is no recycling center over there. So it's all going. So, you know, the worst part, if in Pune, we are now recently working in the IT park of Pune, you know, Hinjewadi, right? It's a big IT park. You go there and you see everything is like chaka chak. And uh, there are big, big buildings and nice societies. Where is all that waste going? You won't believe it. There are there's hills around Hinjewadi. It's going and getting dumped under a hill. Because Hinjewadi is still a gram panchayat. It's not a, it's not a municipality. So municipalities own landfills. Of course, municipality-owned landfills are also located in some gram panchayat. So basically, you're going to take up all your waste and going and dumping it some other place. So that is also totally not done and totally not correct. But th there it's managed. Here it is not managed. So overall, the problem of waste is going to get worse because we are too many people. Okay, in India, with a 1.3, 1.4 billion population, it's going to be impossible to manage if everybody wants to eat a biscuit wrapper and the manufacturers are still going to create uh, multi-layered packets for their biscuits and chips and God knows what. It's going to be difficult. Be both way. 
the government of course have to have its policies the manufacturers need to make a change in their packaging and people's habits should change only then it's possible because our country is too huge there's no comparison with any other country we can make the conscious choice so that's what it is if i can't change 1.3 billion people it's not it could be possible but it's difficult and it will take time but at least we can touch some thousand people and maybe they can touch other thousand people so let's at least start this wave you know let's start this tsunami <laughs> of behavior change and that is only in our hands nobody can change our behavior for you believe at that time it was very easy for us um because we had seen taking cloth bags right but maybe when you were a child you always had we plastic around with plastic everywhere exactly. everywhere we grown up with uh, not only food items with every small even packaging correct it's, it's all just plastic so for our generation cloth was very rarely seen that's why we saw in our revs textbooks use cloth bags and all but how many people actually implement that is a big question so i'm sure there must be numerous benefits of this whole thing that you started but what is the one that one advantage or one positive impact that is the closest to your heart yeah so recharge cuz see the the best thing that i like is i definitely have created some people who have now decided to change okay so no matter even if it's a small drop in the ocean even sometimes i feel in the village also whenever i'm in the village i hear stories of people having brought some change in their life when they go shopping they are carrying a cloth bag so you know that impact really means a lot to me um very so some of my friends uh, but like one of my friend was recently telling me that for her son's birthday this time she did not take disposable plates but she reusable steel plate so you know these small small changes matter a lot do you give some tips on entrepreneurship firstly and then is there scope for social entrepreneurship in india lots of scope and i feel every business could be a social business every business should think like a sustainable business even if you are selling medicines or you're selling watches or computers from a circular <clears throat> economic point of view so if you are selling a laptop make sure you have a reverse value chain where at the end of its life cycle it's going to be taken care of if you are selling food products or selling cosmetics plastic free make it plastic free you know or at least take care of the end of life of the packaging so i think every and uh, make sure that you're also providing um, benefit to the society so it should be both ways so social entrepreneurship has a lot of scope and every business can be done in us in that sense uh, it can be a social enterprise and i definitely feel that people should get into entrepreneurship um be persistent be consistent because that's the most important thing for entrepreneurship everybody doesn't have to start something new you can also join existing organizations so i always say a lot of people say we want to start something like recharka in my hometown so i always say that at this point in time join us you know help us with what we have have been doing so the resources will combine and we'll make a bigger cause and then we can shift to another place and start at another place
that's very important so hearing that there is scope only brings a smile to i guess many faces totally totally there's lots of scope even if you're working you know even if you're in a job like like my example when i was with kpit cummins i had so much scope to bring about a change if you're into supply chain design better supply chains always think from that point of view you don't have to be, you know start a business of your own whatever you're doing it do it sustainably that's what i would say if you're an it engineer it actually is a very good profession to bring in sustainability because you're um, you can develop so much to help other businesses grow better thank you so much for giving us your time it has mean i'm really happy that you reached out to us i'm really really glad and you know with, through you we can reach out to many more youngsters who can make this movement you know we really want this to become an eco social movement mm-hmm. it's not just about selling products selling products will definitely drive the income which the organization needs but it has to become a larger movement and not just um, keep it confined to pune or mumbai or to india but also go abroad not 